So we're in this series called One Hit Wonders that we do every year. It's kind of based off of, if you're brand new, uh, before I was in ministry, I was in radio, spent 18 years on the radio, and I just found that songs kind of tell the story of our lives, and songs speak to us in, in different ways. And this song here was one that I just played till I was so sick of it, um, it just all the time. And, and songs tell this story about our lives, and, and I believe that God wants to speak to us through all kinds of different means in different ways. And I just want to, by the way, when we do a series like this, it gives me an opportunity also to share with you about music in general. I, I think we have to be so careful about categorizing music. I don't think it's bad that we do, that we have, you know, uh, country music and hip-hop and rap and pop and Christian music, and that, that's fine, but... I think we just have to be really careful because music is just, in God's eyes, there is no categories of music. In God's eyes, it's all music. All of it's music. And in God's eyes, it it falls into one of two categories. It either glorifies his name or it does not glorify his name. And I would just encourage you, especially if you're a parent and you're thinking about how do I help my child navigate music? I think one, it starts with us and I navigate music well. And, and just thinking through, man, what am I listening to? And is this glorifying God? And sometimes you take that song by song, artist by artist, um, genre by genre. But just, man, does it glorify God? And I believe God speaks through songs. And so I want us to um, look at this song today. We're going to talk about fighting to stay free. We're going to talk about this idea of how we're just not going to take it anymore, but I'm going to fight to stay free. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to fight to stay free. I'm going to fight to stay free. If you have a Bible, let's go to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, Version is a great app. I would encourage you to download that. On there, you'll find um, the scriptures for today. You'll find a place you can take notes and some of the events and things that are coming up here at Core Church. And uh, you know what's so funny about uh, this song? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later about it. There's something hilarious about this song that I, gotta, I want to tell you about, but I'll, I'll wait on that. So if you're brand new to church, let me tell you where we're at here in, in 2 Timothy. Paul is a guy who started churches all over the world, and, and if you're unfamiliar with who he is, he wrote a bunch of letters, and those make up a large part of our New Testament. And this particular letter is one he wrote to a young pastor. So he met Timothy as a young man, baptized Timothy, led him to Jesus, and Timothy became kind of a his right-hand man. He mentored him all the way up until he became a pastor, started leading a congregation, and and then he wrote this letter to Timothy. What's so powerful about what we're going to read today, we're reading out of 2 Timothy, and in 2 Timothy, this is Paul, many believe, his final letter, the final words of his life. He is about to go off to be executed. And so he's writing to somebody he really loves a lot and he cares a lot about. And so we pick it up in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and look with me at verse 6. Paul says this, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. This is, these are the words of a, of a dying man. Now the prize awaits me, the the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but, but for all eagerly look forward to his 
appearing. Let's pray. God, thank you for the moment we have now to hear from you and to have you speak to us and just pray that you would just help us in this moment in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, before you see it, turn to three people and tell them, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. So as I, I mentioned, um, I spent 18 years of my life on the radio, and uh, over the course of those 18 years, played a lot of, lot of different songs. I, I worked in uh, country stations, and I worked at uh, rock and roll stations and pop stations, so I've, and the term one-hit wonder was coined while I was in the radio industry, and, it, and most of you know what a one-hit wonder is, and it was coined because these artists would come on the scene, they would sell millions and millions of records and be on the charts forever, like Twisted Sister, that, that's the song we just did, was on the charts for six consecutive weeks at number one, it's, it's a, it has millions of views on YouTube, sold millions of records, and then, boom, gone. And never to be heard from again. And there's been a lot of one-hit wonders over the years. And so I was looking this week at different one-hit wonders. And there's a lot of different lists out there. But I found some artists that were pretty much primarily in everybody's top ten. I want to see if you recognize these and if you know these. Here's one right here. Anybody know who that is? Baha Men. There we go. Right there. All right. Yeah, Baha Men. Anybody? Who let the dogs out? Somebody over here was really, that was amazing. You know what? We should do that when I'm preaching. You guys should just, when you, when you get excited and I say something good, you just give me a who. Maybe not. Okay, never mind. I like that. Okay. How about, how about this one? Oh, anybody know who that is? Anybody know who that is? Right, right said Fred. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy it hurts. You were singing it when back in the day. You were singing it. By the way, um, the bass player there—that's Tim Lovins, our bass player. Uh, ba- <laughs> lot, lot of people. I'm not serious. Some of you are like, really? Who's that? No, Tim's gonna kill me for that. Okay. How about this one right here? Oh, now this is old. This is old. This is uh, the name Tony, Tony Basil. That's right, Tony Basil. And the song was, oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, hey. Oh, man. I think the worship team is like, why don't they respond like that when I'm leading worship? Uh, How about um, this one right here, huh? No introduction necessary, right? Just boom, 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 boom. Yeah, everybody was in that, yeah. Boom, on the scene, and then got, you know what's crazy? Look at that hair. That haircut is back. Like some of y'all are wearing vanilla ice hair, and you don't even know it. So the number one that I found was pretty much universal across the board on all of them was this one right here. I don't even know who these guys are. I can never remember who they are. But you sing it at every wedding. You do their dance at every wedding. It is, hey, yeah. Come on, come on, get up, come on, here we go. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Eric, sit down. It's all right, buddy. 
you're the one that was going, hoo, hoo, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, one hit wonders, you know. Nobody, nobody in this room, nobody in this life, in this world, wants to be a one hit wonder. None of us want to start out strong only to fade away quickly. I mean, we all want our life to matter. We want our life to count. You want to know that your life had purpose, that your life had, had, had meaning. You want to know that you, you finished strong. But it, isn't it true that all of us know somebody who started out strong and things were going great, and then all of a sudden something happened, and you're like, what happened to them? Like, where did, where did they go? Like a tragedy or... A setback happens in their life, a failure comes their way, and suddenly they just, they just crater, and they, 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 and, and they disappear on you. Or maybe somebody, when it comes to faith and faith in, in God, and, and maybe somebody you know that it was in church and they were on fire for God, and, and then suddenly started having these doubts and these, these questions, and they didn't know what to do with the doubts and the questions and the struggles, and then suddenly they just kind of checked out on their faith. Peter was one of the apostles of Jesus, and he was, if you don't know Peter, he was a leader in the early church, and he wrote a letter, and he said this, watch out. Somebody say, watch out. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's, he's looking for someone to devour. You and I have got to understand that we are engaged in a fight, and it is a fight for your freedom. The enemy's plan is for you to be a one-hit wonder. And I know when I say that, you're like, well, not me. I mean, I got to figure it out. I'll be okay. I'll be all right. You're the one he's really coming after, because the one-hit wonder doesn't even see it coming. Man, and that's the enemy's plan. He wants to take you out. He doesn't want you to finish strong. He wants you to be an embarrassment to your family, an embarrassment to your community. He wants to take you down. He's an enemy. He prowls around, but there is good news. And the good news is that we have God on our side, and God has a plan, and God has conquered the enemy. And if you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. God says his plan is that you would have life. His plan is that you would be in freedom. The enemy wants to take you all the way back to bondage where you belong. Lock you up, throw away the key, and for you to be forgotten about. But not God. God wants you to stay free. He he wants you to live a life full of meaning and purpose. Listen, Jesus put it this way. Just simple words of Jesus. He said, so if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. That, that's the words of Jesus. So if, you, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. But you've got to fight to stay free. Come on, fist bump somebody around you and tell them, you've got to fight to stay free. You've got to fight to stay free. We've got to have this attitude about us that we're not going to take it. I'm done. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to stay free. It is a fight. I I love the gospel according to Twisted Sister. I know y'all, some of you are like, I don't even know what church I just walked into. I cannot believe he just called the gospel Twisted Sister. But when you look in the lyrics of this song, you really find the gospel. It's not surprising to me because Dee Snider, the lead singer, he grew up in church. 
He sang in the choir. And he says that he wrote the song based on, are you ready for this? Based on the beat and the melody of O Come All Ye Faithful. But now you're humming it in your head, aren't you? Oh, come all ye faithful, we're not gonna... Oh, my goodness! <laughs> he did! That's scary. Listen to the lyrics, though, what he, what he wrote here. He said this, we're right, we're free, we'll fight, you'll see. That's the gospel. We're right. Not, not that as Christians we're like, we're right. We're right. No, 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 no. We are the righteousness of God. We have been made right before God. We, we are free. Come on, somebody. We are free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am not in bondage anymore. I am not held back anymore. God has a name for me. He's put his name on me, and I can finish strong, but I've got to fight. I've got to fight to stay free. You've got to fight for that freedom because the enemy, listen, the enemy is not your spouse, it's not your kids, it's not your parents, it's not your boss, it's not your neighbor. Paul says in another one of his letters, he says this, that the enemy is unseen. You can't see him. Not only is he prowling around, but you cannot see him. And these forces, these evil forces are at play and they are going to battle for your soul. You've got to fight to stay free. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, fight to stay free. Fight to stay free. And I love Paul, man. Paul was not a one-hit wonder. That's why I love sharing this today. This guy, he understood it was a daily fight to stay free. And I figured that these are the words of a dying man. And if he knows he has to pick his words carefully because he's about to go to the gallows, he's going to say something very important. And he says this in verse 7 to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I'd like for you to write this down. I have to daily fight the good fight. If you want to stay free, you got to fight to stay free, and you have to daily fight the good fight because this life is a fight. It's a daily struggle. I was reading this week about Lewis and Clark, and all of us are familiar with Lewis and Clark and their great expedition to find a passage to the west, and the best maps that they had said that once they got to the Rockies and they got to the Continental Divide and they got across, basically they could catch a river or a pass and it would be just basically open prairie and smooth sailing all the way to the Pacific Ocean. You and I know that's not what happened for them, though. Man, they came up on the Continental Divide and they looked out and instead of seeing prairie land and a smooth passageway, they saw mountaintop after mountaintop after mountaintop as far as the eye could see. Could you imagine the breath going out of your lungs in that moment? The discouragement that would set in when that was to happen? But isn't that true about life? That's how life is, man. We, listen, we want life to be easy, but life is a fight. And, and so often we don't want to listen to the words of Paul here, that this idea of man fighting the good fight. But the truth is, is man, we, we go through seasons and, and we say this, once, once I get through this season, then everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be smooth sailing. Once I get through this, this level with my kids, once I get through this season with my kids, it's going to be smooth sailing. I mean, once I get through this, listen, parents of teenagers, can I get an amen? Is it smooth sailing? 
Yeah, it's, it's, no, there's another season with your kids. And I know how you are as a student. You're like, man, once I get out of junior high and I get into high school, it's going to be able to, I'll get, I'll get in a new season with my parents. Or once I move out, then, oh, it's going to be smooth sailing from there. But there's a battle waiting and another battle. And another. once I get through this financial hardship and this struggle, man, then it's going to be smooth sailing. But it's not. It's mountaintop after mountaintop, and you have to understand that, and you have to go to battle. And if you don't understand that, that's how the enemy will take you out when you're always expecting it to be just easy. But that's our default mode. We like easy, right? I, 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 want, I want the the path of least resistance. But the truth is the path of least resistance leads to the greatest regret. I mean, just, just think about it. It's easy when you're in financial Difficulty to just throw it on the credit card, but that leads to great regret. I mean, if you're at work or you're in the classroom, it's easy to just kind of cut some corners so you can get that project done or get that approved, and, but there's regret on the back side of, of that. I mean, it's just easy to yell at your kids, just get it done and yell at them, but there is regret on the other side of that. And if you're single, it's just Easier, just I just date whatever's moving. If it's got a pulse and it's moving, I'm good. I need somebody. And that leads to regret. It's easy to just, you know, order Uber Eats. But we all know the regret that comes from that. Hey, Macarena. We want easy, but life is not easy. That's what Paul is trying to get said to us here is that it, it is a fight. Jesus, Jesus said it this way. He said the gateway to what? So the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is what? Dang it. Don't you wish it just said that in there somewhere? You know that when he read that, when he, when he spoke that, some of the apostles must have went, dang it. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought because we hooked up with you, Jesus, it's going to, wait, it's going to be hard? The gateway to life is difficult, and only a few ever find it. What is Jesus trying to get said here? He's trying to get said that life is a difficult road, but it's the difficult road that leads to life. Life is a difficult road, but it's the difficult road that leads to life. It's not easy. You got to choose to fight. You got you to choose to understand that I'm not going to pick easy, but I'm going to choose the difficult path because through the difficult path and through the difficult obstacles, that's where the good life is on the other side of that. If I choose easy, it's going to lead to defeat. So that begs the question what is the good fight? Because the truth is, we could be just, I mean, you go about your day, you're just like, am I, am I even fighting the right fight? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? And I think Paul helps us with this by telling us what the good fight is the, in the previous verse, in verse 6. Paul said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as what? An offering to God. Say that with me. An offering to God. We, we pour out our lives into all kinds of things, don't we? I mean, isn't that a, uh, a common phrase? Man, I just poured my life out in, into that. 
I poured my life out into that person. I poured my life out into my kids. I poured my life out into that, that, that class. I poured my life into midterms. I poured my life into work. I poured my life, and then what did I get for that? I mean, I poured my life out. What does it mean to pour your life out? What should I be pouring my life out into? And Paul, he gives us a clue here. He says this, the good fight is to pour out our lives as an offering to God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be pouring out daily hope to those who need hope. We're to be daily pouring out the healing of God to those who are in desperate need of healing for their soul. We're to be daily looking around for people who are upside down and struggling and in a bad place and pour out peace into their life, coming into confusion and difficulties and struggle and pouring out peace. Our job is to go out and where somebody is like, life has no meaning. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm ready to give up. I'm going to check out. And in that moment, you have an opportunity to pour out the purpose of God into their life. But that's not easy. Like it sounds great in a sermon, it sounds great when we sit here, but to go out into the world and to try out and pour out the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus is not always easy, because sometimes it doesn't come back to you, or sometimes people make it difficult to continually pour that out. Laura and I were celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary on Sunday, huh? 35 years last Sunday. Yeah. Um, and we went out to eat, and I just sat across the table from her, and I just said, you're welcome. And <laughs> That's not how I made it 35 years, guys. I'm just telling you, do not do that. Um, but we, we went out to eat, and we had a gift certificate to a really, really fancy restaurant that we honestly couldn't afford, and but we had gotten this gift certificate, and so it was kind of where she wore a dress, and I had to wear slacks. I couldn't even find slacks. I'm like, I mean, what are slacks? So I had to find slacks and dress shoes. I'm like, I don't you know. I'll, I'll figure out where that is. And so I got all dressed up. She got dressed up, and we went out. We were super excited, and we get to the restaurant, and we had the worst waitress we have had in 35 years of dining out. I mean, I don't even know how to describe to you what I'm about to tell you. I'm not making up, and I'm probably not doing it justice for how rude and, and just awful this experience was for us. We were super excited. We didn't know what we were doing in this restaurant. We're like trying to figure out, because they, they bring you different things at different times. You know, you've been to fancy restaurants. They do different stuff. I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, hey, uh, this is our first time here. Uh, could you explain, like, how this is going to work? And she goes, yeah, uh, so we're, uh, you, you pick an appetizer, we bring you that, and then if you want a salad, we bring you salad, and then the main course, and then a dessert, you pick a dessert. Okay, all right, okay. Um, so do we do it all at one time? And she's like, ah, oh, you know, just, just tell me the appetizer you want. I mean, this is, she's being almost antagonistic, and we're like, okay, happy anniversary, honey. Um, you know, it's just like this moment. And I was just getting more and more frustrated. And she, I said, okay. So I looked down at the appetizers, but it's all written in languages I don't understand. Like, look, lady, I'm used to going to the Waffle House where they have pictures on the menu. And I'm like, oh, that bad boy right there. Aunt the All-Star with the grits. I mean, that's, that's my life. And this had, I looked at the menu and the appetizer said, la bougie toi. 
So I look at the waitress and said, could you explain to me what is le bouge toi? And she's like, it's le bouge toi. And I'm like, oh, well, excuse me, le bouge toi. And I mean, I didn't do that, but I internally was doing that. And, she's, and I said, well, can you explain what it is? And she's like, it's the cheese. It says right there. And she like, looks at the menu. It says cheese. She reads it to me. I'm like, I read that. I don't know what that is. And so finally, I just, and I asked her if she explained this. She didn't want to explain them. And so I said, we'll just take the le bougetois, whatever it is. We'll take that, bring it. And so she brought it. And, and it just, and this continued throughout the meal. She came at one point in the meal. I am not exaggerating here. She came and she came to the table and she goes, um, would, you, would you like some more water? And I said, oh, thank you. Yes. I wasn't talking to you. I met her. Oh, okay. It's on now. It's on now. So when she came back with her ticket, with a Marlboro sticking out of her mouth, all right, what do you want for dessert? <laughs> no, she didn't. She didn't do that. <laughs> that was the picture I had in my head. <laughs> that was at the Waffle House. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's one of my favorite places. We should have gone to Waffle House. It would have been so much better. I love that place. Uh, But everything within me in that moment, I didn't want to pour out my life as an offering unto the Lord, okay? I wanted to pour out the wrath of God on her. I was so upset. She had ruined our meal, ruined our time, and I was trying to think through, okay, maybe she's had a difficult life. Something's bad. I don't know what's happening in her life, but it was so hard for me just to keep calm. It is hard to pour out your life as an offering unto the Lord. Paul dealt with this. Paul, you look at him, you think, man, this guy has an amazing life, never had any problems. Oh my goodness, the guy, he poured out his life as an offering to God. What did he get for it? Shipwrecked. He gets out of the shipwreck, saves his life. He's at a campfire, a snake bites him on the hand. Can you imagine that? A snake dangling from your hand. You're like, pouring out my life as an offering to God. This is great. Anybody else in for this? I mean, look down a little bit in the chapter. There's this guy named Demas. He poured out his life to this guy named Demas, raised him up, poured his heart and soul into him, and he says, Demas has deserted me. It wasn't easy. It's not easy to pour out your life as an offering to God. But Paul was able to do that because it wasn't an offering for him. It was an offering for him. It was an offering to God. Paul didn't do it so he could get a return. That's the idea of an offering. You give an offering freely. And you give it out of love. And he wasn't expecting anything in return. He was doing it as unto the Lord. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, I have finished the race. Write this down. I have to daily fight to finish. I have to daily fight to finish. A couple weeks ago, I was... Uh, having coffee with Phil Kroll, and some of you may know Phil, you may not, but uh, we were having coffee together, and he's training for his very first marathon, and I've never run a marathon, I've never even thought about running a marathon, and I was very intrigued, because he's training for it, and I wanted to know about the training for it, and he, so he told me, you know, they run 20-some miles or whatever, and I, don't, I just don't get that whole thing, hey, we're going to start here, and we're going to run back to where we started. I'll just, do, I'll just Uber it, okay? That's what I'll do. I mean, I just, I'll get that, so, but he's telling me about it, and I asked him, because I've heard about, the, you ever heard about runners who hit the wall? And I didn't, never talked to a marathoner, and I said, what does that mean? Like, when you hit the wall, what is that like? And he said, well, it's more than just a mental thing. He said, it's actually physically, your body physically starts shutting down. The glucose goes out of your body. The carbs go out of your body. Protein is just, it's gone. And, and all of a sudden, your body starts shutting down. He said, when you hit the wall, he said, your, your legs feel like tree trunks, and, and you're struggling just to even move your leg, and it, it takes, 
incredible willpower and strength to just keep pressing forward. Some of you have hit the wall. You hit the wall in your family. You've hit the wall in a relationship. You've hit the wall at work. You've hit the wall in your studies and trying to move forward in what you want to do with your life. And your legs, they feel like tree trunks. You're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. I don't, I don't know how I am going to do this. Paul, he hit a wall. A lot of people think of Paul, and I have been guilty of this as well, as just this mighty man of God who never really had any troubles and he overcame everything, but he was very transparent in a letter he wrote to the Corinthian church that he started. And he, he just kind of opened himself up and he's very transparent. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 4.8. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. In other words, man, it's coming at me from all angles and I, it's pressing in on me and I don't know how I'm going to move on, but... But, say this with me, we are not crushed. Come on, say it like you mean it. We are not crushed. He says, man, we are perplexed. Like, why is this happening? Why can't I have a breakthrough? What is wrong? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and nothing is going. He's perplexed. But, say this with me, not driven to despair. He says, we're hunted down. And people are talking about me. People are deserting me. People are writing stuff about me on social media. But, but say this with me, never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. I don't know. I'm down. I'm down for the count. I don't have the strength or the ability to get back up. But, but say this with me, we are not destroyed. If you believe that, say amen. I'm not running alone. You are not running alone. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you are not running alone. You are not in this marathon alone. God says, I am right here with you. It doesn't matter what your face, you fall down, I am going to be there. I will lift you up. When you feel your legs are like tree trunks and you can't take another step, I will be there to give you the strength to press forward. When all hope is gone, like not a guessing game, not a wondering, hope is gone and depleted, I will be there to give you the courage and the strength to fight and continue what I have placed in you. Come on, give God some praise for what he does for us. Paul says, I have remained faithful. I have remained faithful. Write this down. I have to daily fight for my faith. I have to daily fight for my faith. You know, when something breaks, there's nothing better than I know a guy. You know that feeling like where you're like, I don't know what to do with this, but I know a guy. This past week, our, our water heater went out at the house, and I didn't know, uh, and Laura came to me, and she's like, ah, there's no hot water, and I'm like, what? And I turned on the faucet, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's no hot water. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I did in that moment. I was like, oh my goodness, okay, I'll go check it. Um, and so I went out in the garage, expected to find a big puddle of water. Thank God there was no water. And so I opened up where the furnace is, and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a hot water tank. Yeah. Yep, not hot. Uh, all right, that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. Um, 
And then if you ever see it, it has the little instructions on it, you know, on how to, it's like the idiot's guide. Here's the three things you do. Don't do anything after that or you'll blow yourself up. You know, and so I did all three, tried to lie, it didn't work, but I know a guy. Danny Hamilton, Hamilton, he and air. I know a guy. <laughs> Evidently, a lot of you know that guy. Is Danny here? Is he, I don't, I don't see. Where, oh, he's always, always working in, in core kids today. Um, and so... Uh, I called Danny, and he came over within two hours, had it working again. I was like, what was wrong? He was oh, it was your, your gas line with the flux capacitor down to the uh, valve stem of the pilot light igniter switch. And I was like, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, I was, uh, I know a guy. I know a guy works great with heating and air and plumbing and mechanics. I know a guy doesn't work good with your faith. I know a guy. There's a lot of people that live off of somebody else's faith. A lot of people falter and fall away in their faith because they are living off of their parents' faith. They're raised in church, and they're raised with this solid foundation from parents who poured into them and, and had everything, but they didn't know, they never made their faith their own, and then they stepped out, ended up in college or in the workplace, confusion came in, and they had no firm foundation, and they sank. Other people come in and they, they say, well, I, I know a guy. I, I, I trust the pastor. I go to church on Sunday and the pastor, he kind of, he helps me with that. And I, I know a guy. And the problem with that is you come into church and, and you hear the firm foundation, but then you step back out into the world and suddenly you're not on a firm foundation and the doubts and the questions and the struggles come and you sink. You've got to make your faith your own. Come on, tell three people right now, make it your own. Make it your own. You have got to fight daily for your faith and make it your own. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, back in the book of Genesis, this guy named Jacob, and he kind of was living off of his parents' faith, which makes sense because his dad was Isaac and his uh, grandpa was Abraham. Good grief, okay. But he hadn't made his faith his own, and he was struggling big time, making really bad decisions. The scriptures say that one night he wrestled with God, literally wrestled with God, it says, until the dawn was about to break. So I think that's a word for us today. You have got to wrestle with your faith and make it your own. You've got to wrestle with the doubts and the questions and the struggles. Like so many times people were afraid. We're afraid to wrestle with our doubts and our questions. Doubts and questions are good. They're, it's a good thing. If you don't have doubts and questions, you don't have a pulse. Okay, everybody's got doubts, everybody's got questions, but what happens is many of us are not wrestling them out, and you've got to go to God with your doubts, with your questions, and you've got to wrestle until the dawn breaks, until that foundation becomes solid, until your confidence grows, but you've got to wrestle right. It's like when you, when you look at the World Wrestling Federation, we all know that that's not real, woo, newsflash, okay, but we know that's not real, but... If they don't wrestle correctly, if they don't practice the right moves, they will end up getting hurt because the moves they're making are very real. And so they have to practice those so they get them right. And I think what happens for people is we're, we're wrestling the wrong way. They're wrestling with Google. Google's the worst thing you can wrestle with your faith. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what the blood covenant of Jesus is. I'm going to Google that. Blood covenant of Jesus. Well, and... I mean, good luck with that. That's a horrible way to wrestle with your faith. What you need to do, though, is wrestle with it, first and foremost, on your own. Like, when I talk to people who have doubts and questions and people who've abandoned their faith, I say, tell me, did you, did you talk to God? Did you pray about it? Did you get into the Word? Did you search the Scriptures for yourself? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, 
I, I, know, I know the stories. I've heard them. I know a guy. I'm living off someone else's faith. I know a guy. But no, have you wrestled with the scriptures yourself? Have you read the scriptures and what the Bible says about that for yourself, wrestling with those doubts on your knees? Have you taken time before God on your knees? God, why is this happening? I don't understand this. What does this mean? This doesn't make sense to me. Have you found good people in your life, people of wisdom, people who've been following Jesus, people you know you can trust? Are you wrestling with them? You've got to wrestle with your faith in the right way and make it your own. Why? Because the devil is on the prowl like a roaring lion and he is seeking to devour you. And his whole plan is that, man, if I can, I, I, I want to take out the dreams and the hopes that you have. I want to take your family out. I want to take your faith and I want to dismantle it in such a way that it is a scattered wasteland that you don't understand and you walk away. But praise be to God for Jesus because who the Son sets free is free indeed. In him I have freedom. Freedom.